What's up, guys? Thanks for coming to our Kaafa and Miss You podcast. Here, you will find resources to help you grow in real devotion, real community, and real responsibility. So you can learn to love Jesus, not just for a season, but for a lifetime. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Kaafa, we believe he wants to do through you. Okay? And so... Um, some of us, we, we like to say that we are used by God. We like to believe that our Instagram bio and being like basketball or God in basketball, you know, that's like God through me, you know, God's going to use that. You know what I mean? We like to believe that God's like using us, you know. But then there's, there's people like Justin and Jeremy and Humana and Marissa, and, um, the people that I just mentioned, who actually step out in faith and are going to go uh, sacrifice um, essentially, their comfortability and go uh, to a place <laughs> like you were here um, previously. We talked about no little places and no little people. And this place called Portales, I'm telling you, <laughs> no one wants to go to Las Cruces. No one wants to go to Portales, okay? But um, in, in the eyes of God, there are no little people and no little places. Right? And so Justin, uh, he's going to take out to Portales. They're, they're going to to leave a place of comfortability, the community, and they're going to serve God there and build a community like this. Um, people can experience what, what we've experienced here, there. Cool? And so um, Justin and Jeremy are going to be the people speaking tonight. I just want to share two stories. One, um, Justin, <laughs> oh, man, there's a couple stories. Um, first time I met him, he knocked me out. Um, literally, uh, we were playing uh, Ultimate and I was like, who's this new kid? You know what I mean? Like, what's going on, you know? And I was a little competitive. And then out of nowhere, I just get blindsided. And he's like, boom. I fall on the floor and in front of me. And I'm like, dang it, man. Like, the new guy got me. <laughs> but um, I'm going to share more than two stories. Another more serious story. Um, one time I was in the Kyle house. And we maybe had just finished a staff meeting or something. But... Um, I, I heard someone in the very back area of the house, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And I just, I just hear him crying, like weeping. And I'm like, oh, shoot, what's going on? And I go back there, and I'm like, what? And he's like, he's just weeping. And I'm like, hey, Justin, are you okay? And he's, he just says, man, I, I just feel so sorry for God and, and what goes through when he sees people walk away from him and are rejected. And I was just like, dang. Dang, like, Lord, help me to have a heart like Justin. <laughs> because, man, I don't think I had ever seen someone just break down um, and have compassion for God like Justin has. Um, so Justin, uh, when he speaks tonight, that's the city he's coming from. He really cares for God and cares about what he cares about, which is people. You happen to be people. All right? And then Jeremy, um, look at him. He's just, he's always been someone that always goes the extra mile. And he's always servant-hearted. He's always... Uh, someone lift up the room. If you've been around him, you've probably laughed. You know, he carries the joy of the Lord with wherever he goes. Um, and, man, I, I'm so excited for what he's going to say tonight. So, uh, Jeremy's going to come up first. Y'all give a give a hand to him. Gosh, how am I going to? I'm just going to Houdini my way around all this pretty decor. All right. Give a Christian, everybody. <laughs> Love to just throw people under the bed. It's great. How are y'all? Good? All right. 
Anthony, for such kind words, where'd you go? This light is bright. Oh, there you are, hiding back there. I remember, yeah, Anthony, it's funny because this, this sermon's all about people pleasing, and I he was beatboxing in our math class the first time I met him just to impress him. And he's like, hey, man, that's good. I'm like, I know. All right. So, yeah, like, uh, like Anthony was saying, we're, we've been talking about Essentially, there are many ways that, like, people can come to Jesus and begin a faith. Um, because there are ways that we kind of trick ourselves. And like, like Taylor was saying last week, we can get close, super close, and think it's a, an actual thing that we're, getting, that we're actually getting, but it's actually an alternative. It's something looks like it, smells like it, sounds like it, but, um, but it's actually, and if you're not careful, it might be something else that you're following instead of what you're really wanting to, if that makes sense. Um, but tonight, I'm going to read uh, out of John 10. And it's, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he is of the sheep. Him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hears his voice and calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has, or, when he has, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice, and a stranger they will not follow. But they will flee from him, for they do not know of strangers. I'm going to pray real quick. Father, thank you for this opportunity to talk to my friends. And I just pray that you would help me with my words, that you would help um, communicate what is deep and precious to your heart. And I pray that you grab people's attention to whoever this may be specifically for, God. And I pray that you would open their eyes, Lord God. Make your voice sweet. Make your voice recognizable and relatable. Oh, Lord Jesus, please. In your name, amen. Cool. So in this passage, Jesus is talking to a group of Jew Jewish religious leaders known as Pharisees. You might have heard of them. And, it, and he's talking about to enter this place that he refers to as the kingdom of heaven. Uh, he makes the connection in this parable that he is the good shepherd, uh, we are the sheep, he is the door, and the unfold is, is to be a long-lasting relationship with himself. So that might have been a lot, but essentially he's saying that he is the one who calls us, he's the one who we grew to get to him, and he is the one who we dwell with in the end. He's the shepherd, the door, and the sheepfold. Jesus made a way for us to come to God resurrection things but in a sense you Jesus is cross takes away our selfishness and what comes with it which is eternal death and the resurrection comes in gives with it comes eternal life Jesus being the first of this new resurrected humanity steps the door and enters into God's kingdom and he calls but the proper way to approach God is not just responding to his voice or ending up in heaven but it's going through him. He is the door to go through, and yet there are ways that people will go around him and make their own way into the kingdom of, of God, which is what we see when we're looking at the Pharisees. Now, these Pharisees had a particular way of living out their life for God, and many people at the time would have seen this as impressive. These were, these were the intellectuals of their culture. They knew the Jewish studies very understood the the laws and the word of God, they were the best seminary graduates you can see on that side of the Mediterranean. 
And yet, Jesus calls the thieves and robbers who enter not by him, but by their own way. This probably shocked not only them, but also the common citizen who would have looked at them as God's own for also giving large amounts of money to the poor, which is a nice thing. They would pray beautiful prayers, and they would even fast for days in order to get close to God. And these things are actually things that Jesus sought out for him, himself, and his disciples. He taught, he showed them how to pray. He encouraged to give to the needs of, and when he talks about fasting, he talks about fasting in the terms of when you fast, not if you fast. And so, notes are freaking out. There we go. Um, So, with that being said, what is the difference between Jesus and what the Pharisees did? And Jesus helps us to see what their intentions are called on the mount. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from who is in heaven. Jesus calls out these people in Matthew 6. He calls them out for being people who give to the poor. But they make sure that they are known for a pray long prayer. But they usually will do this out in public uh, for the attention of people, making sure they are heard multiple times and that they are using the best vocabulary they could ever go. Jesus also calls them out on their fasting because they talk about their fasting. They show their fasting. They have no attempt hiding it. And he calls them hypocrites because they fast only known as people who are respectable and honored by men. Jesus saw that the Pharisees good things, but for man rather than In other words, they were not, they were not following Christ, but the crowd. Jesus calls them out, and three times for each of these three things, says, truly I say to you, they, the Pharisees, have received their reward. And that's a scary line in my opinion. Because they traded the praise of God for the praise of men. They can be us today. And how stupid of a trade is that? Don't get me wrong, I love my family, I love my friends that God has placed in my heart, or in my life. Um, but they are not God. They don't get that title. It's the same with you, your family, your friends, the people in your room, but they are not God. He is the one who made you, and it's in his image that you reflect to others. He gave you, and he, that's not power, but incredible love. All the love that you have received by others is small compared to the love that God has for us. And yet, we are tempted to love as greater than his. Have you ever fought for something that costs more than what it was actually worth? I have a habit of being a little bit meticulous. I don't try to do it on purpose, but um, And so one day when me and a long time ago when me and him and I were just dating, um, we were, her grandma was asking me if I could do yard work. So I'm like, okay. And so I'm there and ready for yard work. But here's, here's the thing. I, when she says yard work, I'm thinking... It's going to be spotless. I'm going to make this yard spotless. And so I get there, and I'm, I'm for a living. I got my ripped jeans. I got my shirt that's already dirty from previous stains. I don't know. And then my hat. And I'm, like, ready to, to start attacking. And it takes me a while. Jimena, te- or like, Jimena tells me that her mom told her that her mom told her, so the grandma, that she looked out of her window and saw on my knees just tiniest weeds in the same spot while big weeds left and white, white. 
like tree size are just like, and I'm just getting these little things. And then she, she basically sees her yard in the same mess that it was, just covered with weeds. And then this like three by six rectangle of pure sand that I've been putting three hours of work into. I wanted to be seen as the selfless boyfriend and of like I had never done manual labor before. My family always said that because I got allergies from sawdust and dust. and so. so, when we long and work for the short praise of people rather than honor intimacy with, for, from an internal God, we can choose to pursue Jesus for the sake of others rather than for the sake of Christ. And I think this crowd, uh, one of these crowds that we can try to please in this way, true level is our families. And it's kind of like... I don't know if this is like you, but if you, like a family antique or like heirloom or like a china dish, and like you don't know how your family got it, but it's always been found from generations. And it's your turn, you get it, but you're not even sure if you want it, and you don't even know where to put it, like up or in like drawer or something like that. But mom got it for you, so like you're gonna, she's gonna get mad if you don't put it up. That type of thing of your family has that. For me, a walk with God was very much like this. I, a belief in God was to be something displayed but not something to be personally myself. For me, and perhaps you too, the issue is that we want to be a better family member and follower of Jesus, making him nothing more than a means to follow God. And the same thing can happen with friends. Think about the friends that you have in Chi Alpha, or maybe in your church, or maybe some guy that actually you just really loves, and they tell you about how they love reading the Bible. They love prayer. They talk about Jesus when it's, not small group time. They listen to sermons when it's not Thursday night, and they try to do, to, to, to do these things well. So this person, you have to keep in mind, if someone is trying to actively show you Jesus, I applaud them because they are trying to show you something that they think is good, and they want you to experience it themselves. And that's not selfish. That's, that might be annoying, or you know, like you might think that's rude because that's like religion, and you pour it on me, but think of if they had something that they truly thought was good and plenty of it to share and they didn't share it, that would be a bad friend, wouldn't it? That would be selfish. These are good friends with good intentions, but even that should not be the reason why you follow Jesus. It may get you started on like investigating who God is, but doing Christian things to please your friends is the same thing as doing bad things for bad the same people-pleasing heart. It is using God to make a God out of someone who is not God, which is also the wrong way to follow God. So a people-pleaser in relation to Christianity is someone who looks like they're following Christ, but they're really following the crowd. I'm going to have Justin come up and help me serve this message. I'm going to take this and stand over here. Is that allowed? I don't want to just stare in the void the whole time. Be like, Saul, why are you persecuting me? <laughs> still, still. Also, very kind words by Anthony and Javi. Um, except, I think they were kind. I don't know. Am I the stallion? Am I... Or am I, I don't know if he was calling me strong and Jeremy weak, or if he was calling Jeremy skinny and me fat. I don't know. <laughs> I think he's full. Anyways, 
stallion. Anyways, moving on, moving on. Uh, this is still, wow. <laughs> you know, uh, as Jeremy and I prepared this sermon together, it reminded so much of my son to Kai Alpha, actually. Cool. I probably would have looked a little bit like one of these Pharisees that Jesus was rebuking in his passages, except much less good and much less wise were. I led Bible studies and prayer meetings at my high school. I wrote short sermons for competitions, believe it or not. Um, and I even felt from the time I was eight years old. Um, but deep down, what I did not realize fully at the time was that the reason why I did all these things was but because I wanted to be seen and respected and recognized by other people. And, you know, I realized later but I heard the way church people talked, and it made me feel good. I even heard the way some non-Christian people talked about me, and they said nice things too. Like they believed I was a good person because they weren't seeing the whole picture. But what I lacked was love. I lacked a supreme God above everybody and everything else. And therefore, I lacked a love for the people and the things that he loves. And so trying to draw people to Jesus, but to myself. You see, and that's what's so dangerous about people pleasing. It can look like a lot of different things. It's very subtle this way all their life without realizing this is what they're doing. So, for example, to give you another illustration of what this might look like, you may be able to tell people pleaser when you find yourself acting differently and living sinfully when no one else is around to see it. If God was really on the throne of your life and not yourself, and you only care about how other people you, but on how you really are and what God sees. On the other hand, you may find that some of the things you do, you may only do when somebody is Do you serve the same way when you know no one's going to notice it? You know, do you still go out and find people to disciple, even when your resource leader is with you, or when there's presence where everybody can be a good small group leader? You are what you really are. Nothing more and nothing less. So I began to have new friends in Chi Alpha as a freshman. I noticed that not only did they have the right influences around them, they had that same desire to be holy and please God, even when they picked one friend for decided to pay their entire house rent payment for one month, like $1,200, and told their roommates anybody about it. And it was just an act of generosity. And so the Lord started to convict me as I started seeing things like this and showed me that at the core, I was self-respectful. And I didn't have Jesus on the throne. I didn't even have other people on the throne because that's what you might think people please is. No, I had myself on the throne because all of my decisions were filtered through how are other people going to see me? Will this serve the image that I would like to build self? So nothing can motivate people to a life of devotion and obedience to God, except a real love for Him and an identity that is rooted in an understanding love for us. The only way to truly love Christ is to experience a revelation of the character of Christ. People are influencing you closer to or farther from God every single day. It's like paddling in the water. You're not going to stay still. The people around you are really important to set the right direction. But 
only God can truly change you and make you a new person with new motivations and new desires. He's the only one that can do that. And he gives you a revelation of who he is. It fundamentally changes everything about you. You begin to see yourself soberly with humility because you see how beautiful and how beautiful and how fiercely he opposes sin and how faithfully he protects and fights for the weak and the poor. Good family and good friends reasons, but never a revelation. They can be good examples and speak the truth. Only God can really open your eyes. Really, really seen Jesus. Have you ever personally really heard his voice talking to you, calling out to you? Because that's the kind of revelation changes you forever. Peter Marshall said, said, said this, There are some things that can never be proved. Can you prove by logic that something is love to When the sun, like a ball of fire, sinks lower and lower and meets in a blistering kiss in the western, western horizon, after having set on fire until they glow with scarlet, crimson, cerise, vermilion, pink, rose, blush, and coral, leaving in its wake clouds curling like nebulous from under the chariot wheels of the sun. Either we see beauty or we do not. You can show somebody and you can point out, but if they, don't, if they don't get it, if they don't see that it's beautiful, how else can you tell them? If you've not seen Jesus like this, if you've not understood the weight of selfishness and how it tears this world apart, and if you've not felt the assurance of God telling you by his spirit that you are saved from sin, then you will yourself. Paul, in the letter to the Romans, says the spirit, Holy Spirit himself, testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. So what that means is that when God can and shows us that we are wrong and selfish, we can ask him for a revelation of who God is, and he will give it to us. Jesus promised he will send his Holy Spirit that we can never unsee. And when his spirit tells us that we are saved from sin and selfishness, and we have eternal life, then our own spirits inside us for the problem with being a people pleaser, therefore, is that no one else in the world can secure your salvation from sin. No one else can tell you with certainty that you are saved. No one else can keep you in God's presence and keep you from turning away and becoming selfish again. Wrong. Only God can have the Holy Spirit. It requires reasons, but revelation. Anyone who compares themselves to others or thinks they have earned their salvation, even subconsciously, by acting a certain are the thieves and those that Jesus was talking about when he called himself the Good Shepherd. He said, they're not going by the gate. They're not going in by me. They're not coming to me for salvation. They think they're doing these things. So they're thieves and they're robbers. They're deceiving themselves. People who, for example, say just a prayer or church every Sunday or even lead a small group and they think these things are enough to get them to heaven, they're not going in by the gate. They think that if they please their pastor or leader, then they're good enough. So you can see the enormous weight that sometimes we can put on other people rather than on God himself. But according to Jesus, to hear the voice of the good shepherd, Jesus, are the sheep. And only the sheep can get into the pasture. And the only way to gate 
by a revelation. And so, you know, I'm not going to tell you, no one can tell you whether you're saved or not. It's not based on something you do, it's when God tell you, will assure you. So, to be clear, we need people, we really do, we need community. We just have to find the right people and we have to have the kinds of with those people. So there's this sharp distinction in the Bible between dependence on people, which is the opposite of people-pleasing, or sorry, dependence on people is people-pleasing, and independence from people, which is the opposite, which is isolation. Now, both will kill you, but for different reasons. For example, history of Israel, God's chosen people, the Bible records the story of a king named Joash. Joash was a great king for most of his reign, but he always looked up to his older brother, Jehoiada, who had life when he was a young boy. Now, as long as Jehoiada was alive, the Bible says that Joash was a very good king, concerned with the well-being of the nation and faithful God. But when Jehoiada died, Joash forgot the Lord, and he did many evil things, including killing Jehoiada's son, Zechariah. So he depended on mentor. He would only do right when his mentor and his friend was looking a people pleaser. And so if you, like Joash, have only following a Jehoiada and not Jesus, it's not your mentor's fault. Your relationship with that person is not the problem. It's actually a very good and helpful thing. But you just take responsibility for your own life. You and not they will be responsible for your choices when you stand before God. If you won't follow God when they're not around, then you need to ask God, why am I acting this way? Help me see you rightly so I can try you desperately. And he'll give you the revelation that you need. Something that you cannot unsee. Something that will fundamentally change who you are and what you desire. So will you follow small group leader who's away? Resources. When you graduate and go somewhere else, who is it that you are really serving? Dependence on others rather than on Jesus is the tendency on the throne rather than God, building up our own image rather than his kingdom. Dependence is. On the other hand, keeping away from dangerous. So one Friday afternoon as school was ending, I decided to play a little joke on my teachers and my friends. And so every day what we would do is get in the line, go outside and stand and wait for our parents to come pick us up. And normally, I would ride home with my grandpa and spend some time with my grandparents after school, even though my dad was at school um, as a second grade teacher. But on this particular day, and the line left the classroom, I stayed behind, I got into my little locker, and I latched the door shut from the inside. <laughs> and so some of you are kind of seeing where this is going. But for the first few minutes, it was kind of like fun. It was like a game of hike. But then reality started on on my five-year-old self. I had locked myself in this girl, and I had no way of opening the door again. And so it was also a Friday, meaning that if they didn't find me, I was going to be in there until Monday. <laughs> and so I have to use the bathroom. I use the bathroom like every 30 minutes. <laughs> and so apparently, after a minute, my poor that I was began to rise. Other teachers began to help in the search. Then my dad found out about it, which is like the worst thing that could have happened. And after about an hour, I'm being persons report. 
The police started scanning of the campus thinking I had been kidnapped. And about two hours of searching at around 5.30 in the afternoon on a Friday night, my teacher back to the room one more time to check on the door, and I was found. Thank goodness. Crisis averted. But how dumb, right? And it's a funny story now, but it'll be bad. And my point is, isolation is dangerous. <laughs> it feels so easy to revert. You just do it as a little thing, and before you know it, you're locked in this prison. And that's his. Isolation is an I don't need independent attitude on people besides God in the wrong way kills you because you lack the love and connection with God, the source of life, to be holy, even even the best people in the world inevitably fail you. Now, independence kills you because you lack community, and that will, you know, lack the community to encourage you um, when you need help or even rebuke you when you're being selfish. The only attitude that keeps in fellowship with God and obedience to him for a life is interdependence, the medium between the two. That's being integrated into a real community where we mutually rely on one another and build one one another up in Christ, letting life become about pleasing the crowd. So when God speaks to you and you hear his voice, you become his sheep. You are no longer serve your own image. You're not on the throne, but instead God and one another. So God has been speaking to you. I promise heard his voice. Have you been listening? If as you hear this, you're thinking, wow, I think I can tend to be a people pleaser. But there's nothing wrong with the desire to be close to people, even to be respected and admired. Speaking from experience, often when you have tendencies of a people pleaser, the problem is that these good desires get twisted into a pattern of looking for affirmation for your identity from others. We long for connection, but miss it because we put our status and connections on the throne. It distorts the very thing we long for. The reality is that the closeness and intimacy you have always longed for with other people can only come through a right relationship with Christ, based on a revelation of who he is and real repentance and responsibility to what he's shown you. Does that make sense? <coughs> you become a new. And as a result, all your family and friend relationships begin to align with, um, sorry, when you're born, you become a new person, and as a result, all your family and friend relationships begin to align with where all those relationships come from. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer says it like this. He says, Jesus between us and God, and for that very reason, he stands between us and men and all other things. He is the mediator, not only between God and man, but between man and man, between man and reality. Since the whole world was created through him and unto him, he is the sole mediator of the world. In other words, real relationship with God leads to real relationship with others. There's no other way. He stands between every ship. And this is where true affirmation and fulfillment comes from, and that's why a not godly relationship will never work, like Lydia was saying. It's about between the two of you, and if neither you're right with God, you're never going to be aligned with each other. So we try to placements 
for God by amassing status, you know, or by independence, manipulation of others. But none of it's going to satisfy us. Only being born again and therefore being brothers and sisters with everyone in the kingdom will satisfy us. The question is, who are you following? Why do you do the things you do? And who do you do them for? I once heard a story of heading down this one neighborhood street. They chase after it. And then a couple other dogs, seeing the chase, ran from their various porches and started following along. So before long, almost every dog in this whole neighborhood, the old pack, was running out of this one rabbit. However, after some time, the dogs in the back of the pack began to tur- return to their homes. Um, so before long, it was only the first four or five dogs that had began chasing that continued. But one observer asked, why did the dogs in the front chase him? Be the ones that are the most tired. And then the thought occurred to them, well, maybe the other dogs never actually saw the rabbit, and they were just following the crowd. And at the time, I've seen thousands of people get presented with the gospel on campus and in small groups. I've seen hundreds of people actually get excited and even overjoyed. It begins to apparently work in their lives and get started in small group. But to be honest, as much as it pains me to say it, only a small percentage of all these people are still with the Lord today. And why? If I had to guess, it would be that many of them just kind of got caught up in the crowd. They're doing something together. You know? It's easy to run a little sprint. But only someone that sees Jesus this way, only someone that he reveals himself to them and they want him, is going to see him in a way that walk them forever. How horrible to get caught up in the excitement of a crowd for even years to miss Christ. Reason for the crowds in the first place, right? What would have happened to the women with the issue of blood, or the people, or the crippled people, if they had not sought out Jesus, but near those who were near him? Many people who say they're Christians, even some small group leaders, even some pastors sometimes, live their lives thinking that they are following Christ in a crowd. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And I know firsthand what this is like. It takes humility to realize this about yourself. You must ask for a revelation so that you no longer hold the truth in your mind, but the truth rather holds on to you, holds on to your heart. We all follow something. The question is, where is that something taking you? I remember one time, uh, we went on a youth group trip to Louisville, Kentucky, long way, and we all wanted to go to an ice cream place together. So we decided to get multiple vehicles, and my dad was driving us in the lead car. Unfortunately, this was just a little bit before GPSs were read, read was sure from his physical map that he knew where he was going. Um, but everyone was surprised about 25 minutes later when we saw a sign that says, Welcome to Indiana. <laughs> and so when you follow the wrong things, you end up in the wrong places. We ended up in the wrong state. <laughs> so who do you follow? If you follow your career, if you follow a person rather than Christ himself, even if it's a really good mentor, a really good person to follow, organization, position, or a family tradition, and not Christ, you may just not get to the end of the road. Or you'll get there and realize you were, you were following and you didn't know where it was going. You were lost after all. 
So if you're not sure whether you're living as a people pleaser, here's some signs that you might be. You might be if you compare yourself to others often rather than the standards of Scripture. Or if you inwardly get a little upset at someone who rises above the average standard of others. This is like, and you're like kind of mad at him. You're like, why does he want to pray, you know? Are you honestly a little offended if someone calls you out? They also have a full and healthy small group and you don't. Does it make you upset? Um, another one. Some sins just seem way worse than others because they're looked down on by most people. Well, don't seem as because people don't look at it in the same way. You may be having a people-pleasing mentality. Um, another one. When you're not with your Christian friends, you do things that you wouldn't do if you were with them. That's an obvious one. Um, how about this one? You would hate it if non-Chi Alpha people saw you as the crazy Christian we care a lot about keeping both your Christian and your non-Christian friends that you had before you met Jesus. Um, last one. You're ashamed to talk about God on some people. You know what you should do, and you just won't because you're ashamed. If these describe you, then what you need is you need a real revelation of Jesus and near to you, real. So ask him, and the good shepherd who leads you will never lead you to the wrong place. He's always been speaking you to the beginning of your life. His voice echoes in eternity. So ask him, and you'll hear his voice, and you'll be a sheep. You'll be a part of his So the question is, are you following Christ or the crowd? You know, I love you guys all so much. I love this Chi Alpha. This community. My prayer for every single one is that you're stronger every single day. Each person being built up by Christ himself so that you'll all grow in closeness to one another. Because that's what happens. And in responsibility to the people. You know, imagine being made right with all your family. Being a rock for your friends. One who doesn't waver. They're dependable. And able to give life to other people. This can only come from God. The origin of all relationships. And the origin of all love. Um, my prayer for you is this passage from Jeremiah. It's less is the one who the Lord, whose confidence in Him. They will be like a tree planted by water that sends out roots by the rain. It does not fear when the heat comes. It's the worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. This is the kind of consistency that only comes from following Christ Himself. Throughout the years, every semester, I've new people come into this community. And it has only happened when people are rooted in the Lord this way. Only like can produce lasting fruit. But every time it's happened, the community has gotten so much more rich and full and beautiful. Some of you remember 2020, we were all so hungry for fellowship that we'd hang out after Kaifa at LCF and we'd switch over to Sonic and then we'd keep hanging out at the Kai Alpha house and we'd stay there till like 3 a.m. You know, and it was a pleasure to see people like Matt and Mariano and Ryan come into fellowship, you know, and then people now like Jonathan come alive, just like them years later. You know, it's beautiful. And I hope that when I come back here and see all of you, see you a part of it, you know, because if you aren't, you know, one of these days you'll get tired of the hype and you'll drift off. But you have to see Jesus for yourself. You have to see him. It's the band's going to come back. You can go ahead. I probably should have called you up before now. But 
we're gonna, I'm going to ask you to take a few minutes and just get along with God. And know God is you have to be obedient. You have to really want him and seek him because he's not cheap. And he'll let you start prayer and then scroll on your phone for a little bit. And now you've got to seek him and keep seeking him even after tonight. Or you won't see him. You'll just be following out. And then it'll be over one day. You know? Jesus, I pray that you'd speak.